So I think one of the top things on everyone's mind, in addition to COVID-19, is the closures of schools. And one thing with the closures of schools is I'm starting to see that so many people are realizing that the school system is more than just instruction. We're talking about teaching people. uh, We're talking about feeding some students. And also for parents, I think just that six to eight hours of not having your children around. So we're here with Dr. Terry Albin, the superintendent for Frederick County Public Schools. Welcome, Dr. Albin. Thank you so much for having me. So not to toss the hardest question to you, but I think we all want to know kind of what's going on with the schools and what's being done to prepare in case we're not allowed to open up schools in that first two weeks as um, the governor first closed them. Right. And so the important thing to know is that when the state superintendent announced that schools were closing, we are taking our direction from her in terms of will there be an extension of that closure or will we be allowed to go back? So right now, we don't have that answer. And I know that's really hard um, for a lot of people. But until we receive notification from the state superintendent, I can't say for sure. So what are we doing? Several weeks ago, USDE and the um, Center for Disease Control said start preparing for continuity of instruction. So thinking about distance learning, thinking about online courses for students. Um, We're a little bit different than a college or university because we have a lot of students who don't have access to technology at home and they may not have access to the internet. So I am so incredibly proud of our FCPS team because I feel like five years ago when we started talking about 21st century learners and we looked at ways to incorporate technology into instruction and how to give students choice, we've done a lot of training with, um, we have a group of teachers called Vanguard who are supposed to be our teacher leaders and drivers of this, done a lot on blended learning. We started getting digital resources. We have a learning management system. So when they said continuity of instruction, we knew we were pretty poised to be able to pull that off. What were we going to need? We were going to need to be able to guarantee that we could get a device into the hands of children if we needed to and that we were going to need to be able to help their family have Internet access if they did not. We've got a team that's been working on that, and you know we are ready to deploy that as needed. We also know that that's not always the perfect answer. Um, Sometimes you still need paper and pencils. So we've been talking about plans for what happens if we need to deliver packets out there to kids. Um, What if we need to have videos of a teacher so that a child can practice and do things? So we've been spending a lot of time, and we're in really good shape. The only thing we haven't done yet, and I think this was in Katrina's article that appeared in the newspaper, is we just need to make sure all of our teachers are ready to go, Um, that they understand the tools they have available, that they have choices about what they want to use, but also where where did they end and what are the things they're going to need immediately going forward. So in this second week of closure, we're going to be doing a lot of training with teachers so that if we are told schools are going to be closed longer, we're ready to start continuity of instruction. I would love to tell everybody we will be able to do that on March 30th if we close. But here's where the state comes in again. They set 180 days. We have to ask for waivers if we're going to go less than that. 
And so if they're going to count continuity of instruction as instructional days, I need their go-ahead for when I start. So we want to start March 30th if things are closed for a longer period of time, but I can't say that absolutely for sure until I'm given guidance from the State Department of Education. And just so I understand, where does spring break fall into all of this? Our spring break was only going to be Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Friday and Monday are state holidays, um, so they are mandated days off for us. The state has indicated if we are ready to open schools again and we need to use those as makeup days, they will enable us to do that. But that all, again, falls on the premise of if you are going to open, here's how you could make up some of the 10 days you were closed. I know that a lot of um, professional organizations, educational organizations have said to the state, you know, can you just waive these 10 days and say that for this year, because of the emergency, students are only going to have 170 days of instruction. So that's a possibility as well. Um, so a lot of these answers rest with the state. All right. And in the past, has there been a case, you know, a big blizzard or snowstorm hurricane that has led to the state waving a couple days and saying, all right, we can have less than 180 days? Yes. Um, I don't remember the year, but there was a huge ice, school, ice storm that sort of paralyzed everybody for two weeks. And they did waive some of the days. They didn't waive all of them because many of us, as you know, in our calendar, build in snow days and inclement weather days. But there has been a time in the past where the, the State Board of Education has chosen to waive days. And was that, you, you mentioned the ice storm, was that 2010 with Snowmageddon? I was in high school back then. I remember being out of school um, for quite a while. Yeah, I don't I don't think they waived the days in 2010. Um, this was, I believe, in the 90s um, when they waived some of the days. The other thing that happened that a lot of people painfully remember was when they said, well, you can just make up the hours, too. And we added like an extra hour to every day. Um, that was not a plan that was well received by students, staff, or families. So they have several options of um, what direction they can give to us. But the thing I think, you know, one of the reasons all of us feel like we just really don't have a sense where it might go is because this is unprecedented. Um, we've never had a pandemic crisis like this. And so what are we, you know, going to do if we need to continue to be closed um, because we, we really do want to be able to continue to provide instruction to our students? So in the second week when you're working with training teachers for the possibility of having to go longer and possibly do online learning, how are teachers going to balance their own young kids who might also be doing online classes versus with their responsibilities with teaching other students across the county? Well, one of the things that we will talk about with the teachers is little burst of time. Um, you know, we are not going to have kids log on and spend six hours online with us. That would not be productive for anyone. So how do we manage, you know, Small pieces, let folks work on that, and then come back and, and pick up others. So a lot of flexibility 
in terms of time is going to be built in, and teachers will have um, the option to, to make some of their own choices about when and how often and how do you want to give feedback to kids. I mean, we are even working on things like if you have kids do a paper packet, when it comes back, we don't want anybody to touch the packet until we're sure the virus would be dead on the packet. And so you may not be able to get things to grade for a couple of days. Um, and then it's going to be a little longer before you can provide feedback for kids. We're really going to have to just modify a lot of our expectations um, in order to adjust to this situation. And one of the things that you know, we're going to make loud and clear to our teachers is this is an unknown territory for all of us. And we may find that what we thought was an excellent plan needs to be modified as we go forward. So we're going to stay in touch with our teachers. We're going to find out from them how it's working, where we might need to change some options or rethink things. But I do think um, that teachers will have the flexibility to support their own children while they're supporting everybody else's children through instruction as well. All right. And, and looking forward to another hypothetical, um, if schools are not allowed to reopen in two weeks and it goes a little bit longer. Is there any concern about the readiness of students, especially those in like the young grades where they're really learning the basic math skills and reading skills? Well, there's a lot of concern about how this kind of model will work and how effective it will be. And so again, we will try to monitor closely. We will take a look at changes we may need to make, but I think one of the things we're going to have to also think about is going into the next school year, are we going to have to build in, you know, more opportunity for review and remediation because we know that a lot can be lost um, over the course of time, depending on how long we may or may not be closed. And how about those um, tests like SATs or APs? Um, for the students that are looking to go into college, has there been any discussion about what happens if those you know, juniors weren't able to take the SATs this year or anyone who's taking an AP class if they may not be able to take those AP um, tests and get that credit for college? So when it comes to the SAT and the advanced placement test, those are administered by the college board. So again, we wouldn't be able to make an FCPS decision we will have to abide by the decision made by the college board in terms of how they want to adjust maybe the schedule for administering those tests. Maybe they'll do some over the summer rather than in the spring to give those juniors an additional um, time. Because I know a lot of us, when they closed the schools, we weren't able to um, have one of the SAT sessions that was scheduled for March. So again, we will have information from the college board around that that we can share with folks. With the advanced placement test, this is a question that superintendents were asking yesterday for the, with the state superintendent. Again, college board is looking at options and looking at possibilities. Um, right now, we don't know what exactly their plan is going to be, but as soon as we do have that information, we will share it with our All students. Right. And now, I know we talked about teachers. But you forgot to ask about the big, big test question, um, because we have all of our accountability testing coming up. Yes. <laughs> the MCAP testing, 
um, the things that go onto the school report card. And again, I mean, we know that Maryland is not the only state facing this challenge, and that is a federal law for accountability. So I know that our state, like many others, have, you know, reached out to the U.S. Department of Education um, to ask for a waiver, to ask for some consideration of the circumstances we're under and whether or not doing that kind of large-scale testing is is going to be feasible this year? Can that large-scale testing be pushed back? Um, and so, again, that is direction that will have to come to us from the federal level in terms of will they waive requirements this year? What, what will be their response? What will be their plan? So that's another one of those we're waiting to find out. All right. So talking about the school system as a whole and just all the services that are provided, do you think that this... COVID-19 situation has opened people's eyes about all the things that the school system provides for children in Frederick County? I hope so. And and I think it is going to be interesting to see where we, you know, who are we when we come out of this? Do we have a greater appreciation for many, many of the services that we take for granted when they're taken away? Um, you know, you talked about the fact that we're serving meals. We have one-fourth of our student population that lives in poverty. We also know that there are many families right now where people are losing their jobs and things are hard. So being able to still provide meals is a critical service, and I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to continue to do that in some fashion. I worry about um, our counselors and the, the stress that children and families are feeling right now. And so if we move into this continuity of instruction, we're going to want to have our counselors reaching out um, to try to help support the mental health needs of our students as well. So I think, you know, you're right in that there are a lot of things that happen and that schools do that I think sometimes it's easy to, to begin to take for granted. And this is opening up a a renewed appreciation for that because I think by and large our community is very supportive of our public schools. Um, but I, I know we've gotten several very humorous emails from parents who are like, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what else to do with them. Can you give us some advice? Um, so I think they're finding out that, you know, being in a classroom for six hours a day with children of a variety of ages is not the easiest thing. Well, I think I, you know, I have friends that are teachers and I, I think, they're finally happy that people understand a little bit more about what their what their job entails. Um, well, I was joking with people about, you know, can we look for some of the silver linings in in this? And I said, I wonder if some of the students who cried because they had to go to school are now starting to cry because they can't go <laughs> to school. We're talking about those teachers, especially with the, um, the, the high school students who, you know, teachers are such a formative uh, role model for a lot of students. Do you think we're losing some of that uh, personal connection, especially if we can't come back to school as, uh, as soon as we hope? Well, I think this, you know, if and when we move to continuity of instruction, where everything has to be delivered from a remote process, whether that be through online sending packets. I think our secondary, you're going to see much more of an ability to deliver it online. 
I think that experience is going to answer the question of, oh, well, well, someday will we not need teachers anymore? Because it's a very sterile way to learn. And that human connection and the interaction between a teacher and his or her students is really powerful. And as much as those teachers will try, you can never fully capture that in an online or a remote delivery model. And so I think, again, this is going to reaffirm what a powerfully and critically important role a teacher plays in our society and in the lives of our children. Yeah, I, I mean, I still talk to some of my teachers, even from second grade, so I, I hope that the students get to continue to have relationships with their teachers and have that role model aspect. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the, you know, how people might be losing their jobs. Looking at the economy right now and kind of the stresses that we're seeing on it, is there any concern for FCPS that there might be less money or that teachers might lose their jobs? Well, we have a budget through the end of June 30th that includes um, paying the salary of our 12-month employees and our 10-month employees. Now, our 10-month employees, it's typically, you know, you're going to work 180 days. Well, what happens if school is out? Well, if teachers are doing continuity of instruction, then they're going to fulfill that 180 days. But what about bus drivers? And what about our um, assistants and our cafeteria um, food and nutrition services workers? So we are trying to work right now because a lot of those people are very nervous. If they don't get their hours, they don't get paid. We are working with our employee associations um, on an MOU to take a look at how we could continue that pay. I know my Board of Education is very, very committed to that. Um, and so if we can get an agreement with our employee associations that says, you know, some of those 180 days that you would have been doing one thing, maybe now we're going to have to ask you to do something else. Or maybe we're going to use that as a great opportunity to do some training and professional learning because we never have enough time for that. Um, and so we are working on that, and hopefully we'll be able to share that information with our hourly employees as well. Um, the trickier question are things like substitute teachers. When there's no school, there's no need for a substitute teacher, but many of those folks also rely on the income from us. So we are also trying to look at what are some of the things that perhaps we can do to help those folks through this. Um, but I know we're not the only organization that is grappling with those kinds of questions right now. And what about the seniors, especially the seniors in high school who, you know, hopefully are finding out about colleges right now and looking forward to their future, but there is a chance that they may never come back to FCPS schools if we don't get to open the schools when we hope what messages do you have for the seniors who might be missing out on some of those crucial high school moments like the last game that they play or the last school play or even prom? Yeah, I know. And um, my heart aches for the class of 2020. And I actually recorded a very special video message for them um, that we will share. We recorded it as an in-case. Um, so hopefully we won't have to share it. But if we do... It's, it's very hard. Um, they're living through something in history that no generation before them necessarily had to live through. 
And who would have thought as they started their senior year that in March we would be here saying, gee, what if you can't come back to school? Um, obviously, if there are restrictions on the number of folks who can gather, we may not be able to allow proms to occur. Um, I know when I talk to seniors every year, they talk about, you know, they feel like a family at school and their closeness with their classmates. And when you know that that's going to be your final year and then you're going off to places all over the world, um, those last moments to be with your friends, that's really hard. Um, sports teams. And, you know, I even look at the NCAA tournament and how much disappointment there are for for the athletes who, you know, this was my chance, and we could be losing that for our, our students as well this year. And so the one thing that I can promise the students is that I don't know what it will look like. I don't know what restrictions we'll be working under, but I know our teachers, I know our administrators, and I know that we have people who are not going to let them leave Frederick County Public Schools without finding a special way to say goodbye to them. And so I don't know what a graduation ceremony might look like. I don't know when we might be allowed to have it. But they will get a special goodbye from us in some way. We will not let them go off without that. And, you know, FCPS is all about teaching. And here you have this moment where we're truly living history. How do, how do you advise parents to explain what's happening to their younger kids who might not fully understand words like pandemic or illness? Um, and how do you think this will be taught in the years to come? We um, do have some resources that we will put out there for parents um, from our school psychologist. I've actually, my blog series has now turned into dealing with the pandemic, and we're going to have some mental health um, guest experts um, contributing to that blog to help parents through that. So getting parent resources out there is important to us as well, and we will continue to do that. In terms of how is this taught, I hope that future generations will look back on us and say, in the middle of a crisis, they cared so much for each other, and they did so many things to support each other as a community, and that they will be able to take powerful lessons learned from how all of us came together to work our way through this as a community, and that that will be how the history books remember us for this experience. All right. Well, Dr. Alban, I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything else you think we should know? Well, again, I just want to remind everybody in the FCPS community that the sacrifices we're being asked to make are very hard. And it's very hard when you can't always see the exact reason why. Um, but know that every sacrifice we make is going to help to save a life. I think that message has been pretty clear, and I think when we look at countries where this disease has spread so much more, we can see that. So I know it's hard. I know we get frustrated. I know it's really easy to think 
everybody else but not me. But I'm just asking everyone to please, please um, follow the guidance and the direction that our health officials are sharing out there so that we keep as many people healthy as we can and we are sure we have the resources to save those who need it. Thank you so much. Um, I hope that we can stay in touch as this continues to evolve. I know that people are, have a lot of questions about the school system, so I really appreciate you coming on, and I hope that it, whether it's here in the Uncast, uh, Uncut podcast or with Katrina, um, we continue to hear from the school system as things change. We will do everything we can to stay in touch and help you keep our community informed. We appreciate your support in doing that as well. Of course. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Rangelio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you soon.